Hi everyone, my name is Kate. And I'm Erica. And you're listening to Artwise. Hello everyone, this is Kate from the future. This is future editing Kate here. Uh, I just wanted to leave a little disclaimer. The audio quality of this episode may not be what you were used to. I was actually in the middle of moving when this episode was recorded, and I did not realize that my audio settings were completely reset at the time that this episode was recorded. So I just wanted to let you guys know um, this episode, the audio quality may be a little bit different, um, but next Tuesday, the episodes will definitely sound back to normal. So just wanted to let you guys know, um, and please enjoy the rest of the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to ArtWise, the podcast where we talk about art stuff. So today I have a guest, Erica. I'm just going to let you go ahead and talk about what you're all about and kind of introduce yourself before we get started with our little interview. All right, well, I am Erica Helder. I'm a Canadian artist. I work out of my small home studio. I mostly work with fluid media, so I work with a variety of inks, and I do a lot of heavy abstract with a lot of natural inspirations and lore as inspiration. Awesome. I just have to say before we get started, you guys can't see this because this is an audio-only podcast, but I love the plants behind you. It's so aesthetically (laughs) pleasing. I'm in the middle of moving as we're recording this right now, and I just have, like, a bunch of stuff everywhere behind me, and you have all these, like, beautiful plants, and it's awesome. Yeah, we (laughs) jokingly refer to the studio as the jungle. Yeah, I can see why. It's it's beautiful. I I love plants. I wish I could have more, but, you know, apartment life and all that. So when I interview people for ArtWise, usually the first and last question remain the same for everyone. The middle questions are like custom to what you do, but the first and last questions are like important for everybody. So I have to ask, uh, like, what's your art origin story? Like, what what was the journey into becoming an artist like for you? Oh, it was a little bit wild. I spent my entire childhood drawing. I think a lot of artists would say that, right? We all started out just doodling and coloring and it was the deep passion and if you had asked me as a kid I would have told you I wanted to be an artist but somewhere along the way it kind of gets pushed out right you have to get told that you have to look for a more realistic career so I went to school for psychology of linguistics and I wanted to become a professor which was a little bit of a lofty goal I had taken some formal art classes as a kid I studied under the tutelage of a local artist in photorealism so recreating oils, recreating photographs with oil paints to be photorealistic, mostly landscapes. But yeah, once I ended up in school, I didn't really think that art was a realistic career. I had absolutely no idea how to go about it. So I started down the path of taking a lot of courses. I finished two bachelors and a master's and started another bachelor's and then realized I didn't actually want to do any of that. And I went to work at a farm and do art on the side. (laughs) And that's where you're at now? That's where I'm at now. I work full time <laughs> at the farm, usually 50 or 60 hours a week. And then I do art in my spare time. And it's accidentally, I guess, turned into another full time job. So <laughs> that's where we are now. I'm a Capricorn, so I work too much and <laughs> we're working on oh it. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. Are you super into astrology? Get getting more into it day by day. I'm not sure how that happened. <laughs> okay. I'm an, I'm an astrology fiend. I used to like read charts for people. So I, yeah, I totally understand. I don't have any Capricorn placements, but I'm an Aries rising. So my midheaven Ooh. is Capricorn. So yeah, career stuff, very like Capricorn energy. So I definitely, I definitely see where you're coming from on that. And I have done, you know, similar things. So that is, that's super cool. I, I want to get more into like, I have never tried to like grow plants before. So I just, I don't know. That's like, I'm, I'm super curious. Is that like most of what you do is just growing plants? Like what is your job doing that look like? Realistically, every day is a little different. I couldn't really tell you what I do all the time. So we are a really large wholesale nursery in Canada. So we grow a large assortment of trees, shrubs, and down to small perennials. And it's to fill orders for cities, landscapers, garden centers. So when you walk into a garden center, a lot of those plants weren't actually grown by them. They purchased from a wholesaler like us. So a good chunk mm -hmm. of what I do, I mostly work with flowering trees and shrubs. So a good chunk of what I do is shipping out the orders to these garden centers or cities or landscapers. And when the shipping season slows down a bit, like right now in the summer, we have a lot less shipping than we would in say the spring or fall. Then I take on some of the growing tasks and things like spraying for pests or right now we're in a bit of a drought. I don't know how far that's extended down towards Florida, but we're in quite a drought right now. So there's... <laughs> There's a lot of irrigation issues and trying to sort out, you know, if we move certain plants with certain other kinds, we can water less in that area and focus the water more on what's thirsty. It's a lot of wow. problem solving, troubleshooting, and it's fun. Wow. I, I'm definitely, I feel like I'm on the path to learning more about like growing plants because I have not had the opportunity to really be able to do that because I have always lived in the city and in apartments where I just don't have any place to do that. But the new place that I'm moving to actually has a yard. So I'm going to try my hand at growing some zucchini. That's going to be my first. Yes. <laughs> zucchini is a good one to start with. <laughs> yeah, I did some research and I tried to figure out like what would be easiest. And like I saw like zucchini and cucumber <laughs> seem to be a little bit on the beginner friendly side. So I'm like, okay, I'll try. I like zucchini a lot. So <laughs> I'll try that. But it's probably going to get eaten by like animals. <laughs> oh, probably. But, There's always something like that. But I still want to try it because I, I don't know. I just, I think it's so cool. Oh, it's so, good. It's good hands dirty and yeah good no. for the soul. yeah I'm excited back to the more art related questions I was wondering so you talked a little bit about you know doing photorealism landscapes and type stuff and now you do more abstract ink works is there any reason why you were drawn to like that genre I think the landscapes for me, it was just sort of easy. I had been sponsored by community members to actually go and study under the tutelage of this local artist, and she did photorealistic landscapes. So it made sense that that's what I learned. And they're easy to get your hands on, like photo references and things. And it really appealed to the perfectionist in me, being able to do all the teeny tiny details, like individual leaves on trees. The inks were a bit of a, an accident and the abstracts. I started kind of just stylizing the landscapes that I was creating and 
I found I liked it more and more, making them less recognizable as as landscapes. And then I just sort of tried inks on a whim one day. I saw them in the store and thought, oh, I wonder what I can do with these. And there was something about losing that perfectionist nature. You can't be a perfectionist with something like inks because they're fluid and the humidity or even the slope of your floor will change the piece that you're doing. So being able to turn off that, that part of my brain that was always focused on perfecting the most minute details it was so refreshing and it was probably the first time my brain had been quiet in my entire life. It felt so good. Yeah, that's awesome. I I feel like as artists, a lot of us are have like perfectionist tendencies are very like detail oriented. And it's so funny because I used to do I used to do not landscapes, but when I was younger, I definitely did like a lot of portrait work and just I don't know I did some really weird stuff <laughs> and you know in school and when I graduated I actually like pivoted and switched to graphic design which I feel like honestly is like more perfectionist than even <laughs> like like photorealism and like landscapes and, and portraitures so I honestly like I feel like I need to try a new medium because I feel like that also helps with like art block and like finding motivation to do stuff like that too. So that's interesting. I, it totally does. I, I think there's a, we get, especially with social media, we're told to curate and constantly have these appealing feeds and stuff that we can walk straight away from the creative messy parts of the process, like trying a new medium. I and mean, even if you suck at it, just trying it is still a good thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I really struggle with it sounds so silly to say this as an artist, but like one of my biggest struggles is like having an aesthetically pleasing social media because like I, you know, especially like I do branding too. So the branding side of me is like, oh, you know, you have to use your colors and your fonts and you can't stray outside of that or it's going to like not match and look ugly. But I just like there are so many things that I just do that don't match what I normally do just because like you know as artists like if you don't like listen to those weird ideas and those like I don't know how to describe it like weird like inspirations that come from nowhere and you're like I have to do this if you just ignore it like you're gonna get like art block really bad so it needs to be it's done so but then when you're when you're spending all this time on something that's not your normal niche it's like how do you fit that into like social media it's like frustrating <laughs> <laughs> no I, I totally get it too yeah definitely I, I I think TikTok has been a bit of a blessing in disguise like I just joined it just for funsies I had no idea that it would actually be something I would enjoy doing and that I would find like a creative community there but on Instagram especially I found that we were constantly told to curate everything make your perfect flat lays and always have this whatever, I guess the Instagram influencer aesthetic or whatever you would call it, that perfectionist stuff. I I don't have the energy, time, or desire for it. I just, <laughs> I love yeah. the short form captions and being able to tell stories through Instagram that way. But the nice thing about TikTok is nobody seems to care how you look in the video. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, yeah. TikTok has really helped me feel, it's so like, weird too like 
but I feel a lot more comfortable on TikTok than any other platform, but I've also gotten like the most hate on TikTok, so it doesn't really make sense, but also like I'm not I don't know. It's like very like I don't know. It's so strange, but my Instagram has kind of turned into like a byproduct of my TikTok because a lot of the content that I record is just me talking and I just take it from TikTok and I just turn it into reels and put it on Instagram because I'm just so done with like making like my stupid little templates that match my branding. I'm just like, I'll just post a video from TikTok so that there's something for the day or something. I don't know. So same. (laughs) Yeah. I video form content. I feel like is easier for me. I don't know if that's true for you, but the videos are just, I feel like it's so much easier for me to talk in front of a camera than to like record my process, especially like you said, like sometimes your brain goes quiet and like, you're not thinking, Oh, I can make content out of this. You're not thinking anything. You're just creating. And so it's like, sometimes you get done and you're like, I didn't record any of that (laughs) and now it's done. So I guess I'll just talk about it. (laughs) That's what I do anyway. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Every so often, like having the camera on in the studio gets in my head and I have to just shut it down and be like, no, we're not going to record anything today. But especially the like talking videos, just talking to the camera and expressing my thoughts on something, it's so easy and natural. And I don't, I've stopped caring entirely about how I look or how I think people will perceive me. And <laughs> it's been kind of freeing that way. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I I remember when I first started on TikTok too, I would like do my makeup and like make sure I look nice. And now I'm like crying, sobbing in half my TikToks and the other ones I'm like half asleep in bed. I'm like, do you guys ever just think about like, I don't know, just random, random stuff. I mean, obviously it's working. Like I literally found like every single podcast guest like through TikTok. So it must be doing something, but nobody seems to care (laughs) that I'm not like what's the word like put together (laughs) yeah honestly it's refreshing like it's good to see people that aren't put together and are not curating every single ounce of content yes authenticity Mm -hmm. yeah it's my favorite thing but yeah no one thing other thing this kind of sounds completely unrelated and that's because it is and I couldn't find a way to tie it into what we were talking about but you mentioned having multiple like magazine publications like in and on magazine covers I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you go about acquiring those publications yeah well I'm gonna be honest with you they are they're pretty well a coincidence (laughs) most of it comes down to having really solid creative community which I've spent the last probably two years focusing on and really cultivating, like going out of my way to tell people when I like their work and trying to connect with people that I think might make a good friend in the art world. I live in an area that is mostly farmers and it's not a, I don't live in like a nice creative area. I don't have that where I live. So I've had to kind of create one virtually. But having that means that when one of my art friends sees a magazine call for art come up that has say a theme that fits my art, they pass it right along to me. I have a friend, Angela, who, God bless her soul, everyone needs an Angela in their lives. She'll just send me a link. She'll be like, apply for this. And then she'll bug me until I've done it. <laughs> she'll be like, did you apply yet? Did you apply? I'm going to make you apply today. Oh, you should do this today. <laughs> so a lot so, of the... 
Oh, sorry. Just a lot of the magazines that I've had or any other publication, even some of the communities that I've joined online have just been because other artists have yelled at me and made me do it. <laughs> so you don't, like, have you found anything yourself or is it just your artist friends are like, oh, I found this. It's good for you. Apply, please. <laughs> I found two. I'm going to apply for both of them in September. Who knows? I, I never know. I'm not, I'm, I've stopped caring if I fail or if I get rejected I've decided that's just part of being an artist so I have found two but for pretty well everything else it's been random art friends that have found them and sent them to me cool okay yeah I the magazine I don't know what it is about having art published in or on a magazine but like that just like sounds so like exciting to me i i've had one i think i've had two or three but it was all when i was in high school so i had one of my illustrations published on national art education association magazine it was like a giraffe and then i've had artwork in the same magazine but it was from when i was in school like they just saw my work they saw my work in the magazine and then they were like oh we want to put that on the cover of the next issue and so it was like the same thing, like twice. And I, since graduating high school and like becoming an adult, I'm kind of in the same boat as you where I don't really have like, or if there is, I'm not involved in it. I don't have like a local art scene, but I feel like I'm pretty involved in like the online networking art scene of people that are kind of from everywhere. But I, all the opportunities that I find to be like on a magazine or to like be published or to do all these things, a lot of them, you have to like pay a bunch of money to apply or like, it's a really complicated process. So I was just wondering if you could talk about like the process for, for some of those. Yeah, I have seen quite a few that are paid applications. I try to steer away from them unless, unless I can verify that that specific magazine or that publication is doing something good with that money like the ones that cost 30 or 40 dollars per application i'm sorry but that's just ludicrous but some of them are like five or ten dollars and if you can verify that they're not doing anything super sketchy and just using that as like their own profit for everything they do and just making money off the backs of artists hopes and dreams then i'm okay paying say five maybe ten dollars for an application i a lot of the ones that i've applied to will have paid months where they have a curator that sort of a selection process that you would get for a gallery and then those paid applicant fees would go straight to the curator for their work and then they'll have say once every six months or something they'll have a free submission so i try to look out for ones like that and a lot of what i do with my online creative community is if i find something i'll send it in to you know my other artist friends that way we keep these applications going amongst all of us and everyone has a chance that way it's a really good idea. Like it feels prestigious. I don't know. <laughs> I guess maybe I still seek a lot of outside validation. <laughs> it might be a character flaw. But like it feels like you've made it when you get those glossy pages and you see your own art in there. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's a problem with that at all. I, I would love to be on more magazines. I just like I struggle to find opportunities like that. But, you know, I, you know, I have like the Discord server for this podcast and I have a lot of like, I've created a lot, I should say, of networking resources for artists that are free. And like, if I, I don't know why I'm like missing these opportunities, like, because if I was finding them, I would totally be applying for them and stuff too. But also my art is in like kind of a weird, like a weird place too. So like, I feel, I don't know. 
It's a whole thing. It's raining. I'm gonna have I'm sorry to. If you, can't do that. <laughs> you need an Angela. I'm gonna have to be your Angela. So I'm just gonna send you things and yell at you till you apply. <laughs> I would love that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no. I sometimes I will find stuff, but a lot of the stuff that I find, again, I'm sorry about the rain. If you can hear that, it's incredibly loud, and I. I'm just jealous from my drought over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you, when you were talking about the drought, I was shaking my head because it literally rains like every six minutes and then it'll stop and then it'll rain again. But like what's weird is I'm looking out the window right now and it's incredibly sunny and I can literally see the sky, but it's pouring rain and I'm Florida, you know. <laughs> A sun shower. I love sun showers. They're really confusing, especially when you're driving in it because it's so sunny that the light reflects off of the floor and then you like can't see the lines on the ground and you're like okay well this is incredibly dangerous <laughs> but yeah no it is every day that it's like totally sunny and then it's just a little rain and I'm hoping it stops and I'm hoping it's not too obnoxious and loud and hopefully it's just a little bit of nice background <laughs> background <laughs> noise but yeah it rains a lot this it's rainy season for Florida Florida's the sunshine state is really deceptive because <laughs> it's usually raining. But yeah, no. Magazine publications, they're like, it is just really, really cool. And it does, like, I mean, I, you know, I've only had like the one publication, but even then, I just thought, I still think it's cool. I still talk about it to this day. And like, the opportunity was so amazing. And I think it's so cool that you were able to like find those opportunities for yourself. So. Awesome. Yeah, it feels really cool. I, it is something that now I've, like I set aside several goals for my business at the start of every year. And that's one that I put in again this year was to get a, another magazine because I, it makes you feel so good to be acknowledged by someone else and say like, they think that my art is good enough to publish too. It's not just me. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm not just crazy here thinking that my art is really pretty. Like someone else does. Yeah, absolutely. I, it is extremely validating. And honestly, like, if you think about life in general, like, all, all you can really do is do things that, like, bring you joy. And, like, having my art, like, shared with other people just really makes me happy. So I'm going to try to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's anything, like, wrong or, like, validation seeking about it. It's just, like, for funsies, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you only have one uh, life. So if something brings you joy, then you got to pursue it. You have to. Absolutely. So an another question that I had was, so, you know, growing plants, your full-time job. I was just wondering, like, do you think that your job affects the art that you create or do you try to keep them separate or how, how does like the relationship between your job with like growing plants look with your career as an artist? Yeah, there, there is no separation whatsoever. I think my my artistic career affects my farm work and vice versa. My creativity that I find in my art and in the studio, I can bring to work and I can use that as you know a method of creative sol problem solving. So when there's a new pest around or when something that we're used to doing isn't working, that creative part of my brain gets to turn on, almost that feminine energy that I have. And then at the farm, it's mostly my masculine energy so I almost get to live my two sides and let them balance each other out. And then all of that farm work and being outside, 
affects my creativity in such a positive way. Like if I'm outside all day and I see a weird weather pattern or I watch the cycles of growth and decay go through or I encounter a weird insect, all of that I can take in my heart and in my brain and bring it into the studio and make a weird piece out of it. Yeah, I I completely I completely like agree with artists not separating literally anything from their art because I think the beauty of being an artist and like what makes you an artist is being able to find you know inspiration and to be able to turn like really silly like everyday things into like something really meaningful and like beautiful artwork and I know you talked you talked about that in your application I was like that's that's it I've never been able to put it into words but like that's it so uh I have a little oh I have a little quote pinned up in the studio here that says artist is not a job title it's a way of viewing the world and all of the light and dark therein because I hate that we talk about art just as like a career when it's really it's a person it's who we are and it's the way we see everything yeah like a way of a way of being yeah yeah i definitely agree with that because there there are also you know there's like a lot of there are a lot of artists who don't pursue art as a career and it doesn't make them any less of an artist but i know a lot of people who are like you know i want to have it as a hobby and i don't want it to feel like a job so you know i'm not going to pursue it as a full-time job and sometimes those people end up pursuing it as a full-time job anyway just because people love their work so much and it ends up being like a second full-time job but you know it's like it doesn't make you any less of an artist if you like choose to not pursue it for money i guess is is that the right way to word it i don't know i think so like Like, totally I, I try to view creativity as an extension of the self, not as like a means yes. to an end in terms of profit. And yeah, being an artist is not, it's not someone who is a full-time artist or someone who went to art school. It's artists are people who see the world in a weird way and try to let that out of their souls in a creative way. Yeah, absolutely. That kind of brings me to my next question too, is like, what, how do I word this? I worded it really weird when I wrote it down. So, so when you are like seeking and and finding inspiration in your life in places that you like wouldn't expect really to like be inspired to create artwork, just like in like the mundane day to day, are are there any like specific like people, places, things like other than your job and you know other things that like really inspire you? I I think it's an intuitive process. Like I kind of follow my curiosity wherever it takes me. I definitely see a lot of inspiration in poetry, especially like indie poets who are just kind of putting the nitty gritty out there for the world to see. I love it. It's so bold and they always have such incredible views on the world. I can almost always find a story that like all of humanity has shared in the words of some indie poet who's like, 15 and just scribbling it out and posting it on Instagram. I love that. I see a lot of inspiration in mythology and lore too. Kind of like if I see, okay, a story. So last week I saw a black witch moth for the first time. I'd never actually seen one in person and it's a migratory insect and I work outside. So I should have seen this thing a million times, but I never had. And it caught my eye and I was looking at it and 
when I see an insect like that or something catches my eye, I immediately wanted to see like, what would my ancestors have thought if they saw this weird bug for the first time? And I mean, we have the universe at our fingertips, Google. So of course I went on and just started Googling all of the lore and mythology surrounding the black witch moth. And it, it turns out if you see one, it can mean, depending on the culture, it can mean that money's coming or it can mean that like a visit from a dead relative, or it can also mean, hey, you're on the right path. And so seeing something weird or out of place like that always brings me some random burst of inspiration. Yeah, I almost feel like, like whenever that happens to me, it's almost like divine, like a divine push to be like, okay, like maybe like, let's do something like this. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, no, uh, I, I, I think we have that like the same. Not not in the religious sense, but in the spiritual yeah, sense. Yeah, in the spiritual sense of, like, okay. everything happens for a reason, all that. Like, I, I feel like when things are, like, too weird to be a coincidence or too out of place, it's almost like a push in a different direction to get me somewhere. And, like, I can't even tell you how many times, like like a weird like coincidence I don't know if I believe in coincidences anymore but like a weird coincidence has happened and like literally completely changed like my entire path and it's just like, yeah it's it's cool once you start to pick it out and recognize it too and like not only are you picking it out but you're using it to fuel creativity that like pushes you even like faster and like further on like new and different paths and yeah I, I think know. we all have <laughs> Like we, I think we all have that ability because if you watch little kids, they're born looking at the world that way, you know? Like you ever see a kid get excited over a ladybug? They're like bringing it around on their fingers, showing it to everyone in the area. They're like, look at this bug. Or like they, they just approach the world so creatively. And I think when we grow up and have to think about taxes and whatever, we kind of lose that creativity and that curiosity about the world. But yeah, if you just kind of hone that intuitive skill and you start looking around, your brain's gonna notice these weird things that inspire you, like weird combos of words or weird mythology or weird bugs. You just have to like tune into that and notice when your brain is trying to tell you that it saw something cool. Yeah, I, I think what you said about like how little kids see the world is like a really, a really good example of like how a lot of artists I think view the world too because I feel like part of it is just not like res resisting the way that like society I mean it sounds weird to say it like that but like just resisting the way that society wants you to think as an adult and like wants you to be like this cookie cutter person who like you know goes to their you know office job and you know sits there and works and then comes home to like their you know their house and like does everything this certain way I feel like part of being a creative and someone who like makes new things and does new things like you kind of have to force yourself to keep that mindset that you would have as like a child I guess so mm -hmm. and there's actually there's a Whoa, I think it was Picasso who said it. Unfortunately, I hate that guy. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there was something Picasso said about literally just that, like, artists are kind of people who didn't grow up. Did grow up, mm. but didn't. I don't know what the quote is. I want to look it up now. <laughs> I will. Hold on. Actually, I need to look it up so I can put it in the episode. 
The quote is, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. And it was Picasso. I hate that guy, but it's a good quote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's wisdom in there. We just have to ignore who said it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I... I used to be, there's actually like, you can hear it happening on like the earlier episodes of this podcast, but I used to be very much like, oh, you know, we can't separate the art from the artist because we just can't. And like, you know, Picasso was a horrible person as for many other artists. So, you know, I you can't like hold artists like accountable while still enjoying their artwork. But I literally, I had a guest come on like it was the first season of Artwise so it was like a few years ago and literally like in an, under an hour pretty much convinced me like no actually like we should separate the art from the artist and I don't know what side of that you're on I still hate Picasso but I can like appreciate the knowledge and the quote and like you know some of his works are actually pretty okay so maybe I will appreciate those as well but I struggle, I struggle with it. Even like a lot of musicians that I grew up loving because I'm a, I'm 32. So I was one of the emo kids and like a lot of them now you hear about what they did in the past. And it is so hard for me to listen to their music, no matter how much I used to love it. And I, I wish I could separate them, but I, I don't know that I can. I recommend checking that. I'll have to look for it because I'm pretty sure it was a guest episode actually that someone convinced me. But yeah, no, like the way it was, I'm pretty sure it was my friend Jen Carmiel. She actually has a part two episode that will be, it will be coming out soon at the time that we're recording this. But by the time this episode comes out, it will already have been out. But Jen, she's actually a poet and she's a writer and she writes music, but she is also a painter too. And she just, I don't know, the way that she put it just made me think, oh, you know, that's so true. And I don't, I wish I could tell you what she said because I don't remember, but it really changed my perspective enough to like be able to separate things. Because I used to be very much like, oh, if an artist or like a creative was a bad person, then I cannot enjoy what they created. I just won't allow myself to because that supports them. But, you know, first of all, Picasso is like dead and he doesn't. He's not going to hear this. So, I mean, does it matter that I'm sitting here talking about him? Like, he's horrible? Not really. I mean, I would like to inform people how bad he was because I feel like most people don't know. But, (laughs) you know, I hate that guy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to listen to that episode because I would love to be convinced. I need someone to, like, get in my brain and just tell me how to do it. Like, how to separate shitty artists from art that I actually enjoy because I want to be able to enjoy it but there's so many shitty people out there creating art like it's hard (laughs) yeah that's exactly the problem is like honestly like if you look hard enough you'll find a problem with like almost everyone pretty much so you know I I don't know I I wish I could remember what what she said I mean I'm not in a position to really convince people because like I said two years ago I was very much for like not separating them but I was open to my mind being changed and I'm pretty sure like you know now I don't really I don't really look at the creations of artists as you know a piece of of them like we can separate them and have it be fine but it is like a really good topic too yeah it is to talk about because i don't know it's just so it's something 
genuinely like it's I think it's it's an interesting thing to talk about as an artist is separating the art from the person who created it I think some of it well I don't know how accurate this is I don't know about you I a lot of the time consider my art like an extension of myself like it's a piece of my heart so then it's harder for me to enjoy art created by someone who is a piece of garbage like just garbage human being because if my art is an extension of me then isn't their art an extension of them yeah see i and that was another thing i struggled with too because i kind of felt the same way but then i started thinking like well there's a lot of things that are really important to learn about and to take into consideration that are horrible i mean like we have to sit through history and learn about all of the horrible awful things that have happened on earth and like we we still like knowing that you know there have been really bad things that have happened in the past we still have to learn it and like take that into consideration and art is kind of like history in a way too i mean art history is a thing yeah but like art itself is kind of like a documentation of history as well so mm -hmm. even even when people were bad like honestly like the stuff picasso that was doing that made him bad at the time that he was popular was not as socially deplorable so right. it's almost like, uh, you know, I still hate that guy, but a lot of what he did, it was like, no one's batted an eye or said anything at the time. And it was very, like, it was so obvious that, you know, he cheated on, you know, his sick wife who was dying and like married a girl that was like less than half his age. It was like fine back then. Like no one cared. So well, yeah. and a lot of the, a lot of the stories of his abuse of the models that he used, right? They were sex workers, which I mean, now we would look at that and say, you can't abuse sex workers. But in the day, I guess nobody cared. I arguably yeah. still people don't care enough. So I don't know. It, it makes it hard. It's so difficult. Yeah, it does. It's and it's it sucks because like it's you can't really use like the the time period as an excuse but we can kind of see like how because like nowadays i feel like if picasso was like an up-and-coming artist and someone found out that he was doing those things he'd be canceled and everyone would just be <laughs> slandering him i but, would hope so <laughs> yeah no absolutely like he would not like it would you know it's happened to other people like today it's it's a whole it's a whole thing it's just there's a lot of things to consider and I feel like just because somebody is a bad person doesn't mean that, you know, everything that they create is bad, even if it is an extension of themselves, because even like, even the bad things that happen, like, in our own lives too, like even like separate from art and being an artist are things that we learn from and have value. So mm -hmm. I don't know, it's it's really like, another example I think is Salvador Dali, which I always loved Salvador Dali like my whole life. I live like right next to the Dali Museum in St. Pete, Florida. And I always loved him. And I recently found out that he was not good in life either and i i was so shocked because he seemed like like such a cool guy and his art is really cool and i love it so much but i also think i know so much and I, why haven't i done an episode about salvador dali i need to write that down i've been meaning to for so long because i know so much about this man for no good reason because that <laughs> he has is like right next to my house but salvador dali like had like a crazy hard life and it's almost like, no wonder he was absolutely bananas crazy. And sometimes like, 
being bananas crazy like can be an excuse for like doing bad things because sometimes like when your brain is literally sick like from all of the things the horrible things that have happened to you like sometimes like you do things that are a little like I think he drank chicken blood at one point and like I know his whole life like I don't know if you knew this tea tea Salvador Dali tea so one of his works that's like one of my favorite works that he's ever done is a it's called a portrait of my dead brother and he had a older brother who was born before him who was named Salvador Dali and he died as like an infant toddler and his parents just had another kid and like gave him the same name and were like oh we'll just do it again and so he always felt like his whole life he was like living someone else's life and he felt like really uncomfortable by the fact that his parents did that and like there was just so much like trauma, like Salvador Dali trauma that when I hear bad things about him, I'm like, I still have this empathy, like, oh, but like he went through all this too. And like, no wonder he's not thinking right. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's so many factors at play with separating the art from the artist because there's just so many, you know, there's just so many things. And it's like, it's hard too, especially if you really do like genuinely like and enjoy the art. It, it's hard to say, right. well, I don't like it anymore because this person's bad. Because if, if the art is good, then like the art is good. Like you, you can say someone's a bad person and still say that they've made some really cool things. So I don't know. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess we can't, like, we can't go back in time and fix it. But yeah. sometimes I think if, like a lot of these artists are such horrible humans, but it also the artists that history selected to carry on the legacies of, that's why so many of them are just like white men. If only we lived in a world where like the art of marginalized people had been carried through, we might not struggle to find artists that we can admire because they might not all be garbage. That That's a really good point that I have not heard, but that's absolutely 100% right. Yeah, no. That is... But I mean, we we can't fix it. We can't like go back and rewrite history. And a lot of the artists, like from those marginalized communities, they are lost to history, unfortunately. So, I guess what we're yeah. left with is trying to trying to enjoy the art of bad humans. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is that's a really good point. It's I mean it's a shame too that like i feel like especially now i feel like we're almost like we've kind of corrected that in a sense because we have TikTok and we have the power of the internet and the power of quite literally any person one day can have just like one video go viral and like they will literally be like immortalized forever like any artists like it's it's literally as simple as like one video getting millions of views and then all of a sudden like your art's up in galleries and like things can quite literally change for people overnight because of like the power of the internet and it can be any person nowadays, you know, any, anybody. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we are, it's not fully corrected yet. We still have a long way to go. I think, especially of like supporting, you know, marginalized communities like that. But I feel like we've made a lot of progress and I feel like, especially with how well everything is documented through the internet i feel like there's like less of a chance of losing those opportunities now than there was like back in like you know the 60s 70s back when like picasso and 
all yeah, those guys yeah, were sure. popular and they all sucked because the internet wasn't really a thing <laughs> yet at that time. But I feel like we're on a road to like kind of hopefully solving that issue in the future. Slight course correction. <laughs> I was just wondering uh, like if you have any tips for like maybe a newer artist on like how to hone the skill of like finding that inspiration in normal things. Yeah, I think, I do think it's an intuitive process. Like I think any other way that you would practice getting in touch with your intuition and trusting your gut is gonna do it. So the way that I've started to develop that skill over time better and better is I make it part of my resolutions every year. So I, the first year that I really, really focused on doing it, I named it my year of magic. And I made it a point to just pay attention to whenever my brain caught something no matter what it was, like sometimes it was not a big inspiration that turned into an art piece or anything. Sometimes it was just like a cool shadow on the grass, but I would try to notice when my brain noticed something like that. And I would take a photo of it and I would journal about it. I usually would use the notes app on my phone to just write down things like cool shadow in grass. And then eventually, you know, I started reviewing the lists and I got a little bit better at picking out what was inspiration and what was just nifty for that day. But I, I think it's an intuitive process. Your brain's gonna do the work. You just have to actually listen to it. Yeah, I as as a fellow artist, the notes app in the phone is definitely <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a tool to be utilized. Like if you are in an environment where you can't just like stop drop everything you're doing and just start like making something. So just mm -hmm. write things down is definitely like, I would definitely agree. That's like very helpful. But the only like issue that I have with the notes app is sometimes I will write stuff down and I would just be like, what the hell was I talking about? Like, oh, yeah. just, like <laughs> I, I definitely am guilty of like waking out of like a deep waking out, waking up out of a deep slumber and just writing something down and then the next day being like oh i came up with an idea for like artwork and now i have time to work on it what was that and i'll go into my notes app and it will just make not a an ounce of sense and i'll just be oh like, for well, sure guess i'll do something else i don't know so. <laughs> but yeah i mean when that happens i just I, maybe this isn't the right approach but i assume that that's my brain telling me it's okay to let it go Whereas yeah like, you were inspired in the moment you're not anymore so let it go and then wait wait for something else so i read i'm just gonna plug this book for a minute i read big magic by elizabeth gilbert and she talks about creativity as like living things like these little creativities that bring you ideas and then you can either work with them or let them go and viewing inspiration like that as like a living thing that can strike my eye and then i can either work with it or just be like thanks for that and then let it go on its way I okay. I have that book in my cart right now. I'm not even <gasps> read joking. it. Check yeah, it out. And read no. it. <laughs> it's a sign. I have so many. I'm in. The, I'm really okay. I'm in the middle of two books right now. And once I'm done with those books, I have bought a couple of other books after that. And oh my gosh, I need to go to the mailbox. I have a book in my mailbox right now that I've been meaning to go get, and I gotta do that today please don't forget brain oh my god I've been forgetting every day and you need the notes like, app right now <laughs> yeah no real. yeah I have a book oh my gosh actually it's probably a good book to mention on this podcast what is it called I gotta look at my purchase history 
for a second one moment because it is i'm excited to read it because i've heard the best things and you possibly have already read it because it is a popular one the artist's way a spiritual oh, yeah. path to higher creativity have you read it it is so good it's kind of like a workbook right or something similar almost like you know those like old-timey self-improvement books where you like read through mm -hmm. and you stop and meditate on things yeah it's kind of that style of writing yeah i'm really excited to read that one too but yeah i, I have two books that i'm both like i'm halfway through them and then you know i'm kind of a slow read well I'm not normally a slow reader, but I'm a slow reader right now because my life is like that shit insane. So yeah, hopefully that I gotta, I'll make sure that I buy it big magic because that one is in my, it's been in my cart for a while, but I do this thing where I hoard books into my, you know, into my thriftbooks.com <laughs> site. Cause you know, obviously you can't be buying new books. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Cause they're expensive. <laughs> Reading is an expensive hobby. No one talks about that enough. But yeah, no, I have so many I want to read. And I just like leave them in the cart. And then when I actually like go to buy books, I'm like, okay, how much extra money do I have this week that I can spend on books that like shouldn't go into like savings or some other place. And then I do the math and I'm like, okay, I can get two books. <laughs> and I just pick <laughs> from my cart and then I buy those and then the rest of them just kind of sit there. But I have been meaning to read Big Magic and you mentioning it was my sign that I need to buy that one next. So it's anyway. really good. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's another book too, actually, that I've been meaning to buy. Not the one that's currently in my mailbox, but another one that's in my cart. Maybe you've read this one too. Maybe. I don't know. If, I think it's, I have it like favorited or something. It's called, oh my gosh, where is it? How does it disappear? Oh, never mind. I can't find it. It was blue. Oh, no. <laughs> helpful dang it i really wanted to read that too it was like a blue book it was for artists too oh you know what the artwise discord server is about to save me because i literally share everything i'm about to read in the artwise discord server and i guarantee you i sent it it's about to save me i guarantee it everyone join the artwise discord server it's free anyway there is a it's not keep book going book. by austin cleon is it it is <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. I'm not even kidding. That's exactly. <laughs> oh my god. It's like right beside me. You said blue, and I just happened to look over and was like, I wonder if it's that. <laughs> That's literally. Yeah. Keep going. Ten ways to stay creative in good times and bad. Yep. Yes. So when COVID first started, I had my anxiety went haywire, and I couldn't like. I had to go back on meds and everything. It was bad. I was in a bad place for a while. And a girlfriend of mine just mailed me this out of the blue. She was like, I mailed you something, by the way. And this book, like, restarted my creative practice because I was struggling to create with with my anxiety being at that level. It's such a oh good my book. Gosh. I guess I got to buy that one, too. I'm going to put my... Yeah, that was a weird coincidence. <laughs> no, that's literally what it is. It was, like, I was going to say it's blue and yellow, too. That would have definitely... <laughs> 
Definitely. Yeah. No. And another book, this one I've already read, but Light is the New Black. It's not specifically for artists, but it is a, it's called, it's on the front of the book, A Guide to Answering Your Soul's Calling and Working Your Light. It's a very like woo spiritual book, but it is so good for if you are wanting to do art, but you keep like second guessing yourself and you're like, oh, I'm not going to make money. And like, you know, and you, you, you talked about it earlier. A lot of people will tell you mm. if you, you want to be an artist, they'll be like, oh, that's not like a job. If you want to gain more confidence in what you're doing and the path that you're taking, I would highly recommend that book. It was the first book I read when I quit my, my nine to five and it made me feel so much because I was so nervous about quitting and I just didn't know if I was doing the right thing. And then after I read that book, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's I hard. feel like those, those episodes are the ones that are out on the podcast right now. Right. Cause I'm, I was listening to some of the older, well, not older, they're current, currently they're released, current. but older recording. Yeah. 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 And like you can March. like, yeah, you can hear that like indecision and fear and all of that and in those episodes. Yeah, I, I definitely, and I asked people who had already done the quitting process too on the podcast because I was so nervous and I just didn't know, you know, because there was a huge part of me that did not trust my decision to quit because I, that was my dream job at one point, like, I was a graphic designer for Nike. Like at one point I was like, I made it. Like when I first got that job, I literally cried on the phone with the recruiter. Embarrassing. I was so excited. And then like after the first year, I was like, I think I don't like this, but I'm going to ignore that feeling because that's stupid. And then after like the three year mark, I was like, if I stay here, I, I will just hate my life forever and ever. And I'm really glad that I quit now, but yeah it it is hard especially yeah especially if it was a dream of yours for that long it's not even like admitting to yourself that you didn't like it but just like the thought of not liking it is difficult yeah yeah and you know i should have known that i wouldn't like it because you know sagittarius sun libra moon aries rising me like does not do well with being told what to do and I should have known that I had to start my own business but for some reason you know I didn't realize it and even after I had realized it it was just it took me a full year of thinking about it to actually quit but once I did I immediately felt better and like yeah it like I'm not gonna like even front with you guys if you're thinking about quitting your nine-to-five job like it's it's gonna suck for a while but like it's it's also like you're gonna look back like I feel like every time I look back on a point in my life I always think like I wish I would have been more grateful and I I wish I would have been happier and I wish I would have you know appreciated the time in my life that I was in more and now I've done that so much that I'm realizing oh, I need to stop thinking about where I'm going and just live in the moment and just try to enjoy mm-hmm. it the best I can because no matter how crappy it feels, it's still like, I wish I could feel like the feeling of quitting my job and the relief again. Like I would love to feel that again, even though it wasn't really a good feeling. It's still like, I still look back on it and I'm like, wow, that was like really cool of me that I was able to actually like 
make that decision for myself because you know i'm i've suffered from people pleasing so <laughs> i don't make a lot of decisions or i didn't before i'm trying to work on it but i don't make a lot of decisions for myself and i think like as an artist reading these books i know like you would think like why the hell do i need to read a book like i'm an artist like i just need to make stuff reading the books helps so much with so like i get, i don't even know where to begin so many different things but yeah light is the new black by rebecca campbell really helped with the second guessing of like am i did i do the right thing am i doing the right thing is like leaving my comfort zone a good thing to be doing right now it really affirmed and it was like it's crazy too because i feel like you every book you read too i don't know about you but like the synchronicities and like just like being able to connect it to things in your life it's almost like because i bought that book years ago and i had it sitting on my shelf and i just didn't have time to read it and then after I quit my job, I had all this free time and I was like, oh, I can finally read this book. And then I was like, there's a reason why this sat on my shelf for so long. It's because I needed to hear this at this specific moment in my life. And it was just crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the universe was just waiting for the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to ask you the last question now because I didn't realize how much time had passed. But yeah, we're at, we're at an hour now. So I'm going to ask you the last question and then you can do your like self-promo and stuff. But I ask everyone this because I think it's super important. So what, what advice would you give your younger self regarding your career as an artist? Is there anything that you wish you would have known before like starting this journey as an artist? God, I would love to tell little Erica so many things. She just, she had it rough. <laughs> I think the biggest thing I wanted to tell her would be like, it gets better. <laughs> like it's, it's going to get better. But outside of that, I wish that there was a way I could have convinced her to start sooner and not be so scared. Like, I think I always had imagined the worst case scenario of failure, but that's not even the worst case scenario. That's just like neutral. That's just the same as not starting. So yeah. I might as well have just started sooner. But a lot of Absolutely. things like sharing my art online, I was so terrified to do it. I thought people would judge me or tell me it was ugly or whatever. And really, I, as a kid or a teenager, that seems like the worst thing in the world, but it's not. <laughs> That's just life. You can get through that as long as you keep. Yeah, I, I wish I could tell myself the same thing. I feel like fear prohibits so many people from like doing the things that they really want to do and it's like i i have a an intuitive coach jenna her her episode came out recently actually but she always like would tell me when i would be sitting there agonizing to her over like you know actually making the jump to like doing you know freelance art and working for myself instead of you know working for a big company and she would always ask me she was like well you know is like what if you like so like what's the worst thing that could happen and i was like oh well i could quit and then like i could not make any money and then i could end up failing and then have to end up at that job again and she was like so the worst case scenario is you being in the position that you're already in and i was like exactly i it like hit me like a ton of bricks i was like oh my god what am i doing this makes no sense there yeah. were so many things that I hated about myself when I was younger, like the fact that my brain is never quiet, that now, like as an adult, I can look back and be like, that's a gift, you idiot, like use that. But 
it was scary the idea of telling like letting people into my brain or anything like that it was so scary and i guess in my mind the worst thing that could possibly happen would be someone judging me for it but like yeah realistically that's not that big of a deal and the world isn't gonna end if someone judges you for it you might as well try yeah i always someone said this to me the other day and it made me really like i you know i I think everyone really deep down like wants to be liked. I mean, like you don't really want to be disliked. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people who go out of their way to make people hate them. And I used to really hold like other people's opinions of me to a really high standard, but then someone, it's 111 right now here. Nice. But then some, someone told me the other day, they were like, well, you know, you might be like pistachio ice cream. Like you're not vanilla, like you're not for everybody. But, like, pistachio ice cream, like, some people really like pistachio ice cream. Mm -hmm. And some people, like, it's just not for them. But, like, at least, like, you're not, like, boring. (laughs) And I was, like, you know, it's, like, kind of an interesting way to, like, look at it. Like, yeah, I mean, there's – everybody else is already taken, so you might as well just be yourself. And if people don't like you, like, it's not the end of the world because there are going to be some people that really, really love you and like the things that you're putting out and the things that you're doing, even if it's not everybody. So I, that's such an encouraging way to view things. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I have been reminded time and time again that I'm not for everybody. I have a weird, a weird, I have a different energy to me and definitely not for everyone but it is for some people a lot and that's Mm -hmm. really better than you know just trying to pretend to be someone I'm not so that those people will like me because realistically like they're not probably meant to be in my life if they naturally don't gravitate towards me anyway so yeah well and then then you're taking the pistachio away from the people that really love it so exactly no pistachio ice cream what would the world be without pistachio I've never had it I don't think I've never had it either. <laughs> that was just I was just thinking that I might be more like tiger tail because it's like so polarizing. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm lactose intolerant, so I haven't had ice cream in a while. It's a bad analogy. I can't Are you the first much. lactose intolerant person who actually like sticks to it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's I mean, I'm not going to front, like, I will break at certain points, but, like, as soon as I break, I am instantly reminded why I don't eat Uh. dairy, because, like, I'm not even going to lie, like, last night, I ordered, like, a quesadilla on Uber Eats from the gas station, because I was just at that point in the night, I guess, and I literally felt like my stomach, like, even now, like, my stomach does not feel great, and I'm just like, man, that was not worth a quesadilla. I literally could have made myself a quesadilla with vegan cheese and been fine, but I had to order a quesadilla from a gas station. Whole mess. Anyway, we should probably start to wrap up. So, self-promo time. I, I can't I think everyone should support you in every way. So the floor is yours. Any way, anything, social media, GoFundMe's, projects you're working on, anything you want people to know about, the floor is yours. Oh, self-promo is so hard for me. Well, I guess you could check out my social channels. So I'm Erica underscore Helder on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, etc. Someone has Erica Helder without the underscore. Won't give it up. By the time this episode airs, I'll probably be working on something different. But right now I'm working on a collection of uncertainties. So it's a bunch of pieces that explore the uncertainties of the human experience. 
And by the time this episode airs, I will probably be on a completely different topic, but probably equally as weird and fun. That's awesome. As always, guys, all of the links to all Erica's stuff are going to be in the episode description. And as for art-wise, as always, if you have any artist friends, please let them know about us because, you know, we're a small podcast and not a lot of people know about us. And also, we have an Instagram at Artwise Podcast where we do episode announcements and some behind-the-scenes stuff. And there you can find links to our free Discord server for artists. You can find links to buy merch. You can buy, or you can find links to pretty much everything art-wise related. So feel free to check that out. There will be a link to that in the description as well. And yeah, thank you so much, Erica, for coming on. This was a really cool episode. It went in a different direction than I was thinking, but it came out really great, actually. I'm glad that we touched on everything that we touched on, because I think all of it was super important. Yeah, that was fun. I'm sorry my brain couldn't keep one track. (laughs) No, don't. Don't even worry about it. I honestly, I prefer it to go like this and to stick to the script because I think these are the episodes that come out the best anyway. But yeah, thank you again for for coming on. And thank you guys all for sticking around till the end. And I will see all of you guys next Tuesday. Bye, everyone.